Welcome to Monuments and Movements. On today's episode, we discuss the presidential and vice presidential debates, helping you wade through what's really been said, as well as encouraging our listeners to go seek the truth for themselves. Let's talk about it. Well, hey, welcome to the Monuments and Movements podcast. My name is Justin. I'm here with my man, Kenny. Good morning. What's going on, man? Hanging out. Cool. It's good to be back. Yeah. Glad we're here. Another beautiful morning. Yeah, we've uh, we've had a bit of a journey. Uh, for those of you listening, I was recently on quarantine because uh, one of my roommates got COVID, and so uh, I couldn't see Kenny or Jesus in person for a while. So if you're wondering why, it's been a minute. Uh, we just we haven't been able to get together, but here we are. And uh, we also had some audio difficulties last time, but we think we got that all worked out. So back how, at it. How was the uh, the COVID test? Uh, I didn't like it. It made my eyes tear up a bit. I'm not gonna lie. I I heard um, there's that you have some people that that do it and like really make yeah, sure it's in there, did. and then there's other ones where they just kind of whoop. Yeah, and she left it in there for a long time. Like she kept <laughs> going. I was like, okay, <laughs> you you got it right. <laughs> nope, I'm still going. <laughs> I'm like, all right, we're, we're we're doing it. And then she went for the other nostril. She said it in both. You're touching my medulla oblongata. <laughs> Something wrong with your medulla oblongata. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I, I didn't like the test, but you know, whatever. It, it was what it was. It wasn't too bad. Just made my eyes trip a bit. Would you rather but, do that or like a like a needle poke? I'd rather needle poke. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. It. I mean, it it made my eyes tear up, but it wasn't like deadly. I think maybe because. I mean, I don't know, this might sound kind of weird, but I think if you were a kid and you used to put things up your nose, you'd be fine. <laughs> but if you, if you never did that kind of stuff, this might be a bit of a shock to you. Like most of our most of our listeners. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, I got tested. I was negative, and so I never got sick. Um, I felt great. Sweet. And I just had to had to wait it out. Yeah, or else we wouldn't be here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so here we are, back in action. A lot of exciting things have happened oh, yeah. in the last two weeks. And so, namely, what we're going to talk about is the presidential debates. Or lack thereof. Yeah, well, there, so we had the presidential debate, and we had the vice president debate. And uh, <laughs> I'm trying to debate if there's a lot to take away from it or if there's nothing to take away from so it. So maybe, maybe let's start at the beginning. Um, a lot of people probably don't know, but debating is kind of like a national tradition. Right. Right? Yeah. Can you explain a little bit of that? I know we didn't really... Yeah, so it's just built into our U.S. system. Uh, typically during an election, you'll get presidents to debate. So you can learn where they stand on issues. You can learn about their policies, their ideas. And it's pretty unique to our democracy. Right. That's why it's important. Yeah. The thing is, is it's become pretty cheapened over the last yeah. few decades. So back in the day when it was established, you would actually go to a debate... You would actually learn things, and you would actually be able to see very specific policies and ideas. But probably in the last two decades, I'd say, it's really become a lot more of a media thing. I mean, the media actually controls it now. It's a lot more determined by media organizations rather than really right. run by the government. And the purpose is a lot different. I mean, if you know, I mean, obviously watching this last presidential debate, typically the goal these days isn't necessarily to educate people. It's to get sound bites. Right. That's really their main objective at this point. And so that's why you notice immediately after the debates, 
candidates will start posting the clips of when they owned yeah. the other candidate. And so I, I'd say over the last few decades, it's become more of a public spectacle than an actual sure. like, source of information. I do think the vice presidential one was was a little better. That, well, a the lot clips better, I actually. saw, I didn't actually get to watch it live, but the clips yeah. I saw was... Yeah. Vice presidential one was a lot more like orderly. Uh, there were some interruptions and whatnot, but you, you definitely were able to get a better gauge. They still kind of dodged most questions, right. but it was a little more palatable. Yeah. <laughs> oh, a lot more palatable compared to the Trump-Biden one, for sure. And I think the, uh, the two-minute kind of time limit kind of hinders people i think especially like speakers you know politicians that they are i feel like the the two minute thing kind of uh i don't know it it's i would think it's probably pretty difficult to sum up yeah what are what steps are you going to take on global warming and climate change two minutes ready go and it's like ah yeah yeah and i mean that makes you have to prepare you gotta come prepared it really makes you have to be able to articulate your points clearly which part of the job of being president is you got to be able to communicate complex ideas to your people. And yeah, you know, that, that makes sense, but it just, it's become something way different. Like if you were to ask about climate change, for example, what's your plan on climate change? Well, this party denies science or this party, they're just yeah. sounding an alarm. <laughs> you never actually get an answer anymore. Right. So in most cases. So before we get into the, uh, the big, I guess, the, the topics of the actual debates. What, uh, you know, obviously there's a whole different media twist on things, which we seem to get into every time we record. <laughs> but I see a common theme here. What do you think the big differences were between the presidential debate and the vice presidential debate? Besides just being kind of like, I think, you know, obviously the vice presidential debate was a little bit more orderly. Yeah. But um, what what did you think were the the big differences? Uh, I think, honestly, I think the vice presidential debate was way more helpful mm-hmm. because the pro the problem. Okay, we'll talk about the presidential. Right, the presidential debate was mostly a personality thing, and Trump has a pretty big personality. Right, right. He uh, I forget who says it, but he, he's basically just a hammer looking for a nail to hit, mm-hmm. just swinging. Uh, Joe Biden, he he's you know, he's not quite the hammer that, that Donald Trump is. But I, I don't know. You, you don't really get a, a feeling of a strong personality from him or, like, strength or consistency. It, you kind of get the feel. I mean, you get the same feel with President Trump, too, but it's more about trying to create an image versus actually, like, communicating what you're trying to do. Right. The vice presidential debate was interesting because each of their vice presidents are kind of the— almost in terms of personality, the polar opposite. Right. Right? Mike Pence, is, I, I love Mike Pence, man. He's just chill. You know, he's very reserved. He, he's, he thinks about everything he says. You know, he doesn't... He's very smart. Very smart. And, uh, you know, when when people poke him, you know, or when people attack him, he, he remains very calm. Right. He never loses his cool. And uh, he, he's just... You know, I think he does a much better job at representing the Trump policies mm-hmm. than Trump does, like in terms of communicating right. it and showing it and explaining it. And uh, Kamala Harris, I think she, she shows a bit more strength than Joe Biden. So 
you know, I think she was able to articulate a little more and kind of stand up for their party because right. the, pre- the presidential debate was mostly just Trump kind of, I mean, dominating. And, you know, which I guess the, the right slash Trump supporters are like, yeah, you know, just dominate. But you unfortunately didn't really get to learn much. Right. And then, you know, the, the Biden campaign or kind of the left were more like, oh, you know, he was just interrupting, you know, mean, mean Trump. <laughs> Guy. And so it's just kind of a lot of the same back and forth where I feel yeah. like in the vice presidential debate, uh, a lot of that was removed. I felt like the moderator did a lot better. I mean, she oh, still yeah. asked some pretty biased questions, in my opinion. But yeah. Well, and I think, uh, yeah, that's another thing I want to get into. But I, I, I think what I saw from what I did see was just the clear differences between the vice president, the potential vice presidents. Excuse me. Um, the the well, Vice President Pence and potential you know candidate Kamala Harris. I think what I did see with them is that they. Um, I I can see at first I I questioned a lot of the the Kamala Harris pick. Um, but when I look at what Pence does for Trump, I can see why Harris would fill those same gaps for. For Biden, yeah, if exactly. that makes if that makes any sense, yeah, they, they complement each other pretty well. They do. Like if Trump didn't have Pence, I mean, I I already know the Trump the Trump campaign's already kind of wild, but right, I think Mike Pence is probably the only guy in the world to work could, with <laughs> President Trump who, who could handle that and who can help kind of channel it in to some extent right. or, or bring it in, and who I think could even I mean I thought he did a really good job representing the Trump campaign overall. Sure, in that debate. Uh, I think he was able to communicate things about policy, things about their stance on issues that I think Trump believes but can't communicate. Right. Same thing about Kamala Harris. You know, I think just personality-wise, I think she's a bit stronger mm-hmm. than Joe Biden. I think she she doesn't quite back down as easy. And I think I have a much clearer picture of where each party stands based off of the vice president's. Right than I do of the presidents. And it, and it's hard to watch those it, it was hard it was difficult in one sense to watch them um either one of the debates because there's a lot of talk after the fact of this candidate said this yet in the past their party said this. <laughs> so it's hard to kind of yeah. watch watch what's going on and you almost have to sit with like a, a huge text of what each party has stood for in the past. Uh, or what each each candidate has said they stand for on certain subjects, or what their stance is, rather. Yeah. And um, you know, I think I even saw a clip of uh, I think I think Pence caught Kamala Harris on on one of those, and I'm sure there was a couple back and forth. Well, you, I thought I thought your president said this, and um, you know, but but I mean, it it is they're super important things that we should pay attention to, but at the same time, it's it's just so. Like you said, it's kind of the, the tradition of it has been, um, you know, media size. I don't know how you how you want to how you want to word it. Um, yeah, and taken away from the art of actual actually debating the past through the Hollywood and, filter. You yeah. know, and and one thing I wanted to talk about. You mentioned uh, the moderators. I didn't hear too much about the moderator from the vice presidential debate because I kind of just watched uh, clips. Yeah, but um. I think, I think part of the reason, and maybe this was a good, a good uh, tactic, was to you know 
I feel like President Trump um, came out extra aggressive than he probably planned to. Maybe, maybe not. Because he was like a cornered dog in that yeah. not only what, and he even said during the debate, he's like, oh, well, I guess I'm debating you too, uh, to the yeah. moderator. And obviously, he wasn't a gentleman about <laughs> what he said. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, so this is what's interesting about debates is because even when you walk away from it, when you talk to Trump supporters, they're like, dude, Trump totally dominated that debate. When you talk to Biden supporters, dude, Biden totally won that debate. It's so subjective. Right. Right. And you can't really, people kind of already go into it with the bias. I doubt that, you know, a Trump supporter would walk in or would watch a debate and never say anything other than Trump right. dominated. And likewise, I think a, a Democrat supporter or Biden supporter would say anything otherwise. Right. You saw the same thing with the VP as well. And so, you know, I, I personally, I try to look at it objectively. You know, obviously everyone's got their sure. their preconceptions and we all have our biases. But I think what happened, and I, I felt bad for the moderator for the presidential one. I mean, I, th- I think he dropped the ball for sure. But uh, number one, I think his questions were kind of biased starting. But the problem was that I think because of just those slight nuances and his bias, I think Trump just Went responded very strong. He's a hammer, right? Yeah. He's a hammer looking for a nail. But... I think Trump just became so dominant of that eventually the moderator, he couldn't control him. So instead now he started debating him too. Right. Just out of, and I, I get it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I definitely don't envy that guy's job. And I think that's the, that's the dichotomy that you're talking about is that the, you have um, a, a large part of Americans who want to see a leader, um, uh, I guess you can say go against the establishment. I think that's what that's what, mm-hmm. what you're saying probably a lot of Trump supporters liked is that see he's going against the media. He's yeah. he's calling them on their stuff. See yeah. look at him. That and I think that's that's the thing where they're like he totally dominated and then you have the other part that want to see um you know I won't say not necessarily I guess just maybe be more calm or or be more just not as Take aggressive. The high road. Yeah. yeah. That was a famous term from Hillary Clinton. That you see. We go in, high. That you see in uh, Vice President yeah. Biden. Yeah. And I, I think, I mean, here's the honest truth. The reason I like that is because most of the supporters, we don't actually want information. We want to see our candidate own the other candidate. Right. That really is the goal for the followers as well. Yeah. Right. Even after like, the debates, for example, when you talk about fault policy, right? I mean, social media, I don't know how we did debates before social media. I think social media just makes the debates way more exciting. Sure. <laughs> I don't know necessarily more valuable or <laughs> makes us smarter, but it makes them way more exciting. But when you look at social media, I mean, and you look at like the talking points that people talk about, about why their candidate dominated, it was never like, oh yeah, you know, he made a great point. It, there's a few of it in there, sure. but it's definitely the exception not the rule here. Oh yeah, dude. Trump made Biden look weak, or dude, Trump. You know, from the other side. Oh, you know, Trump was such a jerk. You know, how do we, how can we get someone doing like? See, now America sees what he's like. So now, mm. but they never actually talk about policy, right? Right. Even with the vice presidential one, right? I, I think there's probably you see a little more talk of policy there, but in terms of against Mike Pence, right? The fly. Yeah, <laughs> right? I was the, about the to fly is the biggest thing. Yeah. It's like, okay, you know, that that's funny, yeah, you know, we'll laugh, but I think what what does that have to do with 
policy, right? Mm -hmm. Likewise, you know, I see a lot of things talking about how Pence owned Kamala, which, you know, I I agree personally. I I agree that he won that debate if you're looking at it strictly as a debate, arguing facts back and forth. But, you know, once again, most people are like, well, my candidate owned. Okay, well, what did they explain? I don't know, but they just owned him. Right. And so trying to kind of get out of that culture, you know, I think think we all kind of lose. Yeah, everyone's like, no, our candidate won, no, our, that candidate won. When I watch these debates, I'm like, no, I think I think we're all losing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Not so much with the vice president. I was I was a little more impressed with the vice vice presidential one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, I mean, and we can get into the topics here, but my my last thought on that is, I think that's honestly, I think that's our bad. Like as as a people, for whatever reason, how we got here, I just think you know, honestly, just being unintelligent and not <laughs> not seeking. Yeah the facts and just wanting that almost like a, like a UFC fight highlight, like a Kimbo exactly. highlight. Yeah. Just wanting the knockout punch, yeah. wanting, wanting the, the rude comment or the, the, Ooh, got him. But, but not really us as a generation, not really seeking actual truth. And, and you know, th- that's a conversation like, okay, we can talk about Biden's personality or flaws. We can talk about Trump's personality and flaws. We can talk about what Kamala Harris did back in the day Sure, we can talk about all that stuff, but like, there's so little actual discussion about policy, yeah, and about what it's actually avoided. Discussion about policy 100%. is avoided in hundred states, yeah. And that's all you see. People, people are so so willing to to bash Trump and to bash Biden and and to post things that reflect on their character negatively. Yeah, but it's like okay, well, I see so much less of like actual talk about what you don't like about this candidate's policy. Okay, you don't like his policy. What don't you like about it? Tell me what you don't like. And so many of us can't. Don't. It's because it's more about the candidate, Mm -hmm. right? It's a character assassination rather than a policy assassination. I think that was the vice presidential debate, right? Was I think what you saw was, you know, I think Trump being Trump, you know, Super energetic, right. aggressive, but eventually they started irking him. So he started trying to irk them back and right. poke them and just trying to get it out of and you know, he 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 got some responses that didn't look favorable for you know, for the for the moderator, for Joe Biden. Sure. But I mean if you look at his demeanor Trump's demeanor the whole time anyway, it wasn't favorable for him either. But right. you know, you, you just see people trying to bait each other so that they can assassinate each other's character. That's really all it is. Yeah. Well, um, hey, let's get into some of uh, the topics. We don't necessarily have to hit all of them, but yeah. what were some we're, of the We're going to make it so that people can walk away from the debates with some information. <laughs> that is our goal, is to educate you or to help you <laughs> understand a little. Instead of whatever clip they saw being passed around. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what were some of, the, some of the topics you thought were, were important or you thought maybe they were touched or some of the topics we want to we clear up? Yeah. Well, I think a big one was COVID. Okay. Right. That was that was pretty much the one that they came out the right out the gates with for both debates. It's how they're handling COVID. So what what do you think about that? Um, I think <laughs> the funny part is I think they were both saying uh, more or less the same thing. That yeah. f- first point, like you said, first of all, they both came out when asked about it, and I think even if I heard right. Uh, if I heard correctly, with the vice presidential debate, it was about the same. They both parties. So for the presidential debate and the vice presidential debate, they all of them pretty much said the same thing. 
Mm-hmm. This party did this wrong, was their first point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These people wanted to do this, and we want to do this, or we are doing this. And they were bas- basically described the same exact thing. Yeah. Like, what else? I think Pence called it out, and the, tr- and the thing is, like, or he called it plagiarism. Yeah. It's like, it looks like you guys just plagiarized our plan. Yeah. You know, which is true to an extent, but it's one of those things where it, it is what it is, right? What are you going to do when there's a pandemic? Right. Try to develop a vaccine. You know, sure. Try to get the medical attention, medical responders. I mean, it's kind of a universal response to that one. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, the, the handling of COVID, here, here's the thing, is that we don't know much about COVID, or right. we didn't know it. It was something that just jumped on us. And, uh, you know, you could say, Trump handled it wrong. You know, there's things he probably could have done better. There's things that he did right. 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 It's an unknown situation. Right. The same thing happened back with the swine flu. Now, fortunate thing about the swine flu, I mean, not that I would call it fortunate by any means, but is that it wasn't quite as deadly. Right. Right. But actually, I think it spread a lot more than actually the coronavirus did. But the thing is, the coronavirus was just more deadly. I would need to go look to verify those facts, but I, I... that's my general idea. Don't hold me to that. But I think the biggest difference that people need to walk away from, well, I think the first thing you got to understand about COVID is that the state response is people need to understand the roles of the state and the federal, right? The the, the state really controls a lot more of what your day-to-day life is going to look like uh-huh. based off of COVID, right? So, for example, like shutdowns and lockdowns, I mean, the federal government can kind of put some general things in place, but for the most part, it's the states that execute it. Right. That's actually the way that Trump has handled it. So, you know, when you talk about lockdowns and, you know, being having to shelter in place and restaurants closing, it's actually way more on your state government than it is on right. the federal. Which isn't what what certain media outlets want <laughs> the people to know. Right. So, but, but just when you're voting, right, and when you're figuring right. out what, how you want to have it, What's going to affect your day-to-day life a lot more is what your governor says over what right. the president says. But when you think about the Republican versus Democrat, what I, what I walked away with, my understanding, is that the Republican platform and how they would handle COVID is I think they would leave the safety up to the citizens a little more, kind of give you more freedom to decide right. how you want to treat your safety versus the Democrats would set more kind of rules in place like, you know, for example, the mask mandate. Sure. I think the Democrats lean, lean a lot more towards a federal mandate, basically saying all states have to wear masks, versus the Republican mandate is, well, you're free to wear a mask, but you don't have right. to. So whatever side of the fence you're on with that, I think that's what's important to walk away with from those debates. So I have some numbers here. Um, I think this is worldwide. Currently, I, th- I think this is an article written in September on... C News. Um, currently, there are 28 million confirmed coronavirus cases. Coronavirus cases. I think that's worldwide, with uh, 921,000 deaths. At the end of the 2009-2010 swine flu pandemic, uh, confirmed cases and deaths from H1N1 stood at 1.6 million cases and 18,000 deaths. So yeah, almost. So 18,000 deaths versus nine. 921,000. Right. So, but what uh, were the numbers for people who contracted it? There are currently 28 million confirmed versus 1.6 million. 
1.6 million for coronavirus or for no, swine? No, no. Oh, coronavirus cor- coronavirus 28 million, 1.6 million H1N1. Gotcha. Okay. So um there's so maybe no my data was off a bit. Yeah, but but I mean, I, I recall, I mean 2009 2010 I was barely in high school, but I still recall there being uh not a lot known about H1N1 yeah. at the time. And I think in both cases a lot of people now looking back bash Obama for how he handled it. And it's the same thing people are doing with Trump already. Like hindsight's 2020. Yeah, exactly. I mean, think about, I mean, the classic example that kept coming up was when Trump banned the flights from China, right? When he first learned or when he first acted on it, right? At the time, you know, his, his opponents were like, no, no, no. You know, that's racist. That's xenophobic, which, okay, you know, whatever, but, I mean, there was even the thing where I think Nancy Pelosi in California, when that happened, she's like encouraging everyone, no, we're going to stop this racism. Everyone come down to Chinatown. Come to Chinatown. And, uh, you know, in hindsight, I mean, they don't bring it up anymore, but that was wrong. You know, I think Trump was right on that one. Yeah. And everyone thought he was wrong at the time. It's just one of those things in hindsight, right? But I'm sure, you know, should Trump have acted sooner? Maybe would a Democrat have acted sooner? Maybe. I don't know. But I'm not going to pretend like there's a very clear formula for how to handle these things. Hindsight's 2020. Exactly. Yeah. Say it again. Yeah. So I, I think at the ticket, you're basically looking at, you know, Democrats would require, would put more kind of requirements in place for your safety versus I think the Republican Party would leave it a little more open to you. But once mm-hmm. again, it's a lot more at the state level than at the federal level. So another topic they got, um, I, I don't necessarily know how, how much they got into it in the debates, but excuse me. Um, I definitely think that it's going to be a big, a big topic now, especially with the Supreme Court going on. But yeah. even even further than that, um, abortion and sanctity of life. Yeah, I think is going to be a huge, big ballot kind of thing coming up. Yeah, yeah, that's always a hot one. Yeah, I mean, for for me, ob- obviously, you know, I'm pro life, 100 percent. You know, loud and proud. I believe in in the value of life, sanctity right. of life, and you know that was something I really liked about what Pence said. He said the same thing. He said, "You know, I'm I'm pro life. I don't apologize for it." Right. And I I think you know people stand where they stand on that issue. Sure. Um, I would like to bring more people to the pro life side. You know, I just right. I mean, we we could talk about the abortion thing in depth. You know, we could probably do a whole episode series of episodes on that but in terms of where e- each party stands in the supreme court so the reason i think one of the big reasons why the supreme court thing is such a big deal is everyone's talking about roe versus wade right and how it could possibly be overturned and so first i think it's important for people to understand you know what that means for me if abortion was abolished in the u.s i mean I'll, I'll say it i don't want that'd be awesome right i, I would be for that all yeah. the way you know, but truth is, if you get rid of Roe versus Wade, it's not going to get rid of abortion yeah. at all. What Roe versus Wade decided was that it meant it required states, you know, to to perform abortions. It, it set a certain standards that all states had to abide by. Right. Before each state was able to individually choose. So, like, if the state of California wanted to support abortion, they could. But if they didn't want to, they don't have to. You know, right. it was a state thing versus a federal thing. So what Roe versus Wade did 
wasn't made it so it's a federal thing. Right. But the thing is, a lot of, especially like you look at law school and lawyers, most people actually argue that the Supreme Court decision on that was pretty unconstitutional. Sure. Right, because, I mean, the Constitution protects state rights. Well, it protects individual rights. It does that by protecting state rights. And that's not even the, the actual topic of abortion. That This is just constitutional right. states versus federal rights. Right. And so the, the reason, I think, why people are so scared is because there's a strong argument to be made that it was unconstitutional in the first place. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, the fact that now you're getting some conservative judges in there, which, you know, in theory— the Supreme Court shouldn't be politicized. <laughs> but, I mean, that's... I so so I, I want to pause you there because I think... Uh, I mean, we we eventually want to... We want to do a, uh, a whole episode on that as the Supreme Court develops, but just kind of to briefly break it down, what, what you have in the Supreme Court, because I don't think a lot of people know or understand, is um, you have... How many justices now? Is it nine? Nine. So there's an open seat right now. So there's eight Correct. justices total. And... A Supreme Court, to be a Supreme Court justice, it's a it's a life appointment. So you either die or you retire. Mm-hmm. And so what we have now, why this is such a big issue and why this is opening up uh, these kind of court cases again is because uh, now, like you said, the Supreme Court shouldn't necessarily be, be politicized, but but now you have the, the conservative justices uh, potentially outnumbering or are they already outnumbering? Uh, I, th- I think they will be outnumbering. They will be if, if they... So so what happens, how that breaks down for people who don't know, to, to my, I had to reach out and ask, ask a couple people. Um, but what, what I figured was, what I got from people who are way more active in the political world than I am, is that you have, you have a justice who either retires or, or, or passes away, like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Ginsburg mm-hmm. RBG, and um, she, she just passed away. And so now, who what happens is the president actually gets to appoint a Supreme Court justice. And then the Senate gets to confirm. Mm-hmm. So why this is a, a huge deal is because uh, we have a re- Republican president and Senate seats are in favor of right, Republican Senate. So now we have more votes for the Republican president to put in his choice of Supreme Court justice, thus leaning the Supreme Court more towards Republican values, whereas um, under Obama, I think, were they mostly liberal judges? Yeah, typically liberal presidents will put in liberal judges, and Mm -hmm. conservative presidents will put in conservative judges. And so that's why that's important, because it's not like a president comes in and even Trump being as outspoken against abortion as as he is, it's not necessarily like a president can come in and snap their fingers and do away with abortions everywhere right. altogether. Um, I know he just signed an executive order, but um, um, an executive order, I think, getting rid of, of uh, like, a, like what, I forgot the term, but after the a baby is actually born after a failed abortion. Late term, late term abortion. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's neither here nor there, but, but just to break it down for people, that's why these, these things uh, are, are important, especially now, especially going right. into to an election because if the Senate do confirm um, Amy Coney Amy Coney Barrett man mm-hmm. these people have all these names <laughs> yeah um, I like her I think she's cool yeah and, and I mean they're they're from what I've read they're, they're her and her husband are beautiful people they've they have adopted children and uh, they, they care a lot for people and I mean I can't necessarily say that I see she she's Satan like some people might say but um, <laughs> this is a bit of a stretch <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But, so, sorry, so circling back around to the actual um, stance of political parties, that's why it's now bringing back, getting back uh, to the surface. Yeah. Yeah, so the Supreme Court, <coughs> I mean, if you have to sum it up, right, you got the House of Representatives and the Senate, they make up Congress, it's right. their job to create laws and to write laws. It's the president's job to enforce laws. And then it's the Supreme Court's job to interpret the laws. So if you have conservatives interpreting the law, that eventually is what becomes the law. Right. If you have liberals interpreting law, it, eventually your laws will look more liberal. And so the, the thing is, like you said, uh, Supreme Court's not four years five, or eight years term. It's a life term until right. you either pass away or until you want to retire. So whatever values are in the Supreme Court are in there for a long time. Right. Yeah. So, and why this is brought up in the debate is because a lot of people are saying that uh, President Trump shouldn't shouldn't uh, be able to appoint his, his choice, his justice right. of choice, before the election. And I, and I think that Trump's, Trump's uh, I don't think he said this during the debate, Maybe he did say this during the debate, but I remember him saying, you know, well, a president is appointed for four years, not three and a half or not mm-hmm. three and a quarter. Yeah. So uh, that that's why it was brought up. And, and then I think that question was asked to Biden. Um, what do you what what do you think we do with the the Supreme Court open seat? So so how does that work out with um, one thing that I've seen being brought up? And again, we can make this a whole different thing. But I think because it was brought up in the debates and I think mm-hmm. people probably should know about it. Yeah. Um, how likely is it that a president can actually add seats to the Supreme Court? Uh, you can't. Well, you're not supposed to. It's against the Constitution. So that was, especially in the vice presidential debates, something mm-hmm. that really Pence pushed Pence pushed Kamala Harris on, was are you going to add seats? Are you going to pack the court? Because that's, that's the talk of the town, right? That, right. That. So the whole idea behind the Supreme Court is a balance of power right? between... The president, between the the legislative, the executive, and the judicial branch. Mm-hmm. Now, in theory, the Supreme Court is supposed to be the absolute non or the absolute bipartisan one. Basically, the one that they're not left or right anything. They're just strictly interpret the Constitution for what it is. Right. Uh, obviously, it's changed a bit since then, but the Supreme Court is like kind of the big brother, I'd say. And the other two branches are more of kind of the little brother and little sister. And so when you're trying to change the Supreme Court, I mean, that's that's a big deal. Right. That's like adding other states. Well, I guess is also what they'd like to do as well. But, but I mean, in theory, and I guess this, this will come off, obviously, as, as more of a conservative view. But the whole point of the Supreme Court is to balance power and to keep power in check. Right. And so... I personally, I think it's it kind of worries me a bit that yeah, if the Republicans were going to do it too, it would worry me just as much. Oh, well, we don't have enough seats. Well, we're just going to change the system because you're literally trying to throw off gonna the balance the of power. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're literally changing the checks and balances system so that there's no right. longer a check and balance, right? The checks and balance system checked you and you're not having it, so you're changing the system. So I... I I don't know. It, it's it's the court. It tends historically. It always kind of goes back and forth. Yeah. I don't know that you'll ever have a fully conservative 
Supreme Court are fully liberal or that it will always be dominantly conservative or always dominantly liberal. I mean, think about it. We thought for a long time that it was going to be dominantly liberal, like, forever. Right. Right, but the tides turned. And that's the thing in politics is tides always turn. People think, oh, California is way liberal. It'll never get, you know, they're, they're too far gone. But you forget that Ronald Reagan was our governor, right? right. We had a Republican governor, I think, two, two governors ago, Schwarzenegger, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, Ronald Reagan, one of the most conservative presidents, came from California. And that wasn't that long ago. That was like 20 years ago. Right. Well, I guess 30 years. Wow. Maybe it was well, in, in terms of American history, it wasn't that long ago. You know, so things tend to swing. Right. But when you start talking about breaking the system and I don't know, trying to tilt it, that's essentially what they're trying to do is tilt it, which is honestly why they don't want to answer that question. Sure. So in terms of, uh, I guess, just to briefly sum up the topic that we, we kind of spun off on, um, abortion and sanctity of life. Oh, right. Um, <laughs> so I got a little off topic there. <laughs> it's, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess, no, I guess it's my bad. I, I brought in the Supreme court, but, no. um, where, so where clearly, well, I mean, we're looking at documents that kind of clearly document these, these stances, but where does each party stand specifically? Yeah. I mean, simple is the democratic party is pretty pro choice, which is pretty for abortion. Right. And, uh, the Republican Party is pro-life, anti-abortion. Um, I think both parties have doubled down a lot more. I think you could see, like, you know, you see pro-life marches are getting bigger and bigger and bigger, mm-hmm. and they don't get much media attention because media tends to favor kind of the liberal side a lot more. Sure. Uh, I think Democrats with their abortion agenda is getting a little more radical. Uh, they're pushing for a lot more advancements, right. if you want to call them that in that area. Um, that it's it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. I mean, that that's one issue I'm not afraid to be biased biased on. <laughs> yeah. You know, I I think the the left has gotten pretty radical in their abortion views, and it's it's in my opinion pretty scary. Right. Okay. Let's talk about um. I guess it doesn't necessarily have to be really quickly, but mm-hmm. um. Let's let's talk about healthcare. Right. What were some points brought up and and how. How uh, how does each party kind of stand yeah. by health care? So, so the Democrats, they, they tend to favor Obamacare, right, which was passed under President Obama, mm-hmm. which was his his solution for the health care problem. Uh, just people the health care problem able, being? People not having access right. to affordable health care. Now, that is a whole subject. If That problem is, is extremely subjective as well, and I, I don't want to get too much into that that talk but essentially what obamacare is is the government stepping in and taking a little more well a lot more control in this case right over it to help make sure that everyone has access to health care uh republicans they oppose obamacare and uh you know they've taken a lot of steps to dismantle it and get rid mm-hmm. of it and uh their belief is that you know the government will make health care more expensive less affordable and will bring down the quality and that actually the problem of Expensive healthcare and healthcare being out of reach of people is much better handled by private organizations and by letting kind of the market do its thing right. rather than government taking over. So those are really like if I had to sum up the two philosophies is the Democrats tend to lead more towards government-run healthcare, 
not fully. Well, I don't know. I mean, Democrat, there's a, a wide spectrum of beliefs. You have some radicals who want completely government-controlled health care. But right. the, 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 overall, the Democrat Party tends to favor a pretty pretty significant amount of government oversight and control in health care. Versus the Republicans are a little more like, no, nah, just let people be free, let them do their thing. And I think one clearly like stated um, uh, stance on healthcare by by the Democratic Party is is um, kind of this thing as as healthcare is not as a privilege but a right. Mm-hmm. Versus um, Republicans uh, not necessarily in line with that. Yeah. Um, and I think, but at the same time, without without you know Republicans saying. Um, is that healthcare isn't necessarily a right as much as Democrats say. Um, I think, I, I do think that there's a, th- that leaves an open space for people to interpret that as like, oh, well, Republicans just want to make healthcare more expensive kind of thing. Yeah. But I, I um, to be fair, I don't think that that has been the case that we've seen under no. President Trump. Um, but I do think also, you know, that... There can be a lot, you know, I think there's a lot to that thought of, of healthcare being a right, not necessarily whether I support it or not, mm-hmm. but I think uh, just walking down that lane, we can figure out a lot more. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's like we talked about, I think, a few episodes ago, rights. Whenever you talk about right. a right, it's, it's, you got to talk about it in terms of responsibility. And I agree, we as a society have a responsibility, and we have the resources, especially in America, to make sure everyone's taken care of. Sure. Uh, I guess the the philosophical difference is, do you believe it's the government's job to make sure we get taken care of, or do you believe it's our job? Right. I think is really the big argument. I think when you look at the statistics, I think, I mean, here's the thing with healthcare is, Obamacare helped some people and hurt some people. Anything you do is going to hurt some people and help some people. Right. There, there's no like solution. Oh, this is going to make it better for everyone, which is why there's such strong reactions to either one. Right. Uh, I think, personally, when you look at the, the data and the statistics, I think Obamacare hurt everyone a little more than it helped. I, I guess I don't want to say everyone. I think it hurt more. More people Statistically, than Statistically, yeah. I think there was more repercussions than benefits. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's hard. It's hard to talk about it because then that right. becomes a. Oh, so you you know you don't believe that people should be receive health care? You know that, and obviously, I think everyone needs to be taken care of. I just, I personally, I don't think that the government is necessarily the best equipped, right, organization to do it. Yeah. So, um, no, totally. And I think, and I think at the heart of everything that we're that we're saying is like, hey. Go out and research some of these things. Like, go yep. out and actually research, you know, these these topics that are you're going to be voting for. Yeah. Because um, you're you're not necessarily voting for for a character. I mean, you are, but but you're also voting for what these topics represent. Because I feel like a lot of people, when they get down to the nitty gritty, and, and I feel like they might they might sway one way or another from what they think each each politician stands for. Yeah. When they get down and and, and actually read these things. Yeah. Yeah, and I'd also say too, don't buy into like the panic. Right. Like everyone's like, oh my gosh, if we do away with Obamacare, people are gonna die. If you have a pre-existing condition, you're gonna die. Right. That's that's not the case. You know, you could argue that getting rid of Obamacare might be better for people. With sure. drink is, and I'm not gonna get into that argument, but there's there's so much hype over everything. Like, 
No, I just just don't buy the hype. Right. Yeah, so I mean we can get into a lot more of these topics and I think each one of these topics can be their <laughs> own. Yeah, maybe we'll do we'll do a series, a series on these. But again, you know, at the heart of it is is go go out and I think that's this been the common theme and I think it will be the common theme for a while is go out and and research. Mm-hmm. Go out and read just just facts and statistics and unbiased opinions and try to find unbiased sources. There's a there's a ton of of YouTubers who are in that that middle area who don't necessarily lean left and don't necessarily lean right, but they're just straight shooters tell you yeah. the problem with what this guy said or what this this person said and, yeah. and what they liked about the debates and a lot more than than um, than we can right now. Yeah. But uh, that's what I would recommend is go out and find answers not just answers that you want to hear but find the answers yeah i mean was, i was talking with a friend and he is pretty anti-trump and i was just kind of asking him you know we're just trying to kind of get into his, his mind a little bit and think about okay well you know why do you think that about this policy or and eventually he's like well i don't actually really know anything about that policy but you know i know that trump was pretty evil about that i said well like don't you have any thoughts about why he was like no I, to be honest i don't care because he saw it on the news he saw it on CNN. I'm like, well, yeah, obviously CNN hates him, but like, when you look at the policy, what do you think? He's like, well, I don't need to. And there, there's this, there's this kind of mentality, or this culture that we no longer are encouraged to think critically. Right. Right. We're, and I think we talked about this in a previous episode where the news just tells you how to think now. Sure. Whether it's Fox, whether it's CNN, and we just we don't take the time to think critically right we can't get past the hollywood characterizations of biden or trump or kamala or pence who are all four very different type personalities but we can't get past personalities to actually critically think about different problems facing yeah. america different solutions you know we can't critically think about health care it just becomes this immediate you're either on one side of the fence or the other you're either evil you know or you're a superhero and you just we have to think critically you yeah. know, and I think that's one of the things that our politicians actually don't really encourage us to do is to think critically. Sure. So critical thought. I think I'd like to encourage people to go just think. Look at the data and think. Huge. Yeah. Um okay, hey, so let's let's switch gears. You sent me an article. Yeah. Uh good news article on the Good News Network. So uh a dad circled circled sorry (laughs) cycled 200 miles from scotland to england for a charity uh for his eight-year-old daughter and on uh, here's the here's the the kicker uh he cycled these 200 miles on his daughter's pink bike so you sent me the article you want to explain a little bit more to me yeah so uh this this dad and he looks pretty tough (laughs) it's funny when you look at the pictures he's riding this tiny little pink bike and it's Ouch. yeah i mean this this dad man take take notes dads uh, he wanted to raise funds for various charities and hospitals which are close to his heart after he'd lost his grandfather to cancer and so as part of his fundraiser he basically rode his daughter's bike and i mean when you look at the picture it's just hilarious but he rode it he was planning originally to ride it 1250 miles but due to the pandemic, he's forced to kind of re-examine. Did you say due to the pain? <laughs> yeah. And so since he couldn't travel that far, he just took his daughter's bike and went 200 miles instead. And 
That's awesome. Let's see. Here, here's some of his words. He said, I wasn't sure if I was going to make it. I wasn't sure if the bike was going to make it all the way. I felt like I was going to die during certain stretches. But it was all worth it. I kept pushing because anytime there's an uphill climb, there must be a downhill climb. I felt like a kid going down. I couldn't stop if I tried. It was scary but amazingly fun. <laughs> We've gotten so much incredible support on this journey, and none of it would have been possible without the bike. He's currently fundraising for the McMillan Cancer Support, Christine Charitable Fund, British Heart Foundation, and the Winston Shaw Hospitals MFT Charity. He's raised about ten grand, almost eleven grand so far. There's a cool picture of him here. Uh, <laughs> he's sitting hugging his daughters with a beer in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, anyways, good for him, man. That's cool. I want to be like that guy when I grow up. Man. Yeah. Well, hey, anything else you want to add? Nah, some good news. You know, just make sure, you know, don't just focus in on all the the drama, all the pain, all the doom, all the gloom. You know, we're going to be all right. We're going to make it. You know, we're going to be all right. Let's do this. Yeah. So, uh, let's go, America. Let's go. Let's do it. Well, thanks for tuning in. Uh, you know, make sure if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you listen to podcasts, you know we're there. But make sure you hit that subscribe button. Make sure you hit like. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, make sure you subscribe to our channel as well. Hit the like button. You know, follow us on Instagram, on Facebook. I think we'll have a Facebook soon. Uh, follow us on YouTube. But, you know, hit us up. Share you know, a send couple us, Send us messages. Comment on our stuff. Ask us questions. We'd love to hear from you guys. We'd love to answer your questions. And until next time. Peace.